Keenan, before you leave, let me officially introduce Keenan West as the director of the Second Service Worship Service. And uh, thank you, brother, for being here. Yeah. You've got uh, some info in your hot off the press as well, but we're just excited of God's blessing and leading us together and how God will continue um, to free us to worship um, him in heart, mind, body, and soul in every way. So, thank you. Thanks, the whole team. Um, so, we're in this, this series on being united. It's been our, our journey in January and, and February, really addressing um, all the, um, the, the ways that the, the season and the fall tended to really lead towards division and dissension. Um, and, but what we're uh, going to look at today is really how God has been working since the very beginning to call a people who are very different, to call them together, united in Him. Yeah, that it's, it is the greatest union um, it is God's calling upon our lives um, that, that Jesus is the one who unifies it, that, that God's the one who unifies us. Um, uh, frequently say you know, that water is thicker than blood and when it's the waters of baptism. The, the waters of baptism are a stronger unifying force than the, the blood of human familial relationships. The, the waters of baptism are a stronger unifying force than the blood of human families. I mean, I am eternally bound to you and you to me if we're following Jesus together. We are eternally bound together more so than I am bound to siblings or uh, family relatives who don't follow after Jesus. Um, that, that, that our union is, is that, it is, it is eternal. And that's why last week we looked at the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 4 uh, saying that, that, that we must pursue that unity in every way, in, in all humility and gentleness and patience, and putting up with one another in agape love and making every effort into the power of the Spirit to live into that new humanity, being a, a unified people. Um, in, in Jesus. And, and today, what I want to do is I want to just go back further. I want to go back to the beginning, um, really, and just walk through um, a few of the, the stories in the beginning uh, of the events of God calling together, unifying um, humanity in Him. How, how God created and brought together and formed a people of great differences among us, but to be His people, to be His family. To be the new humanity that are united in Him. So let's, uh, let's, let's pray together. Almighty God, uh, we thank You for Your written Word. Um, we, we pray that, that you will, uh, your, your Spirit will um, open our, our minds, our hearts, our souls to, to hear from You. Uh, speak to us. Um, continue to transform us, continue to change us, uh, draw us together as one in your power. Call us and form us. Unify us as we know one day we will be completely one before you. For your glory, for the proclamation of your good news, we give ourselves to you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. 
All right, so, so God has been forming a, a, a unified humanity since the beginning. I mean, Genesis chapter 1. God created male and female. He created them in God's image to be one before Him. And at the end of that day of creation, He says, And it was very good. And take a chapter or two later that, that then we have the fall. We have the disobedience of, of Adam and Eve um, where, where they decide we're going to go our own way. We're not going to uh, be united under God. We're going to be united with ourselves and do what we think will lead to life. And then that leads to division, destruction, death, even murder. Two brothers. And so what God had, had created to be one, totally equal, in, in God's image, every human being, from the, the unborn to the dying and all in between, made in His image. Meant at the beginning, the created order, to be one together, then, then falls. And so the, then the, the rest of the, the events of the, the biblical uh, accounts are then to what God does to bring that humanity together again. And so the first thing that he does is he calls Abram now to be the one. From Abram, he says he's going to make one people. He's going to make his people from Abram. And this is in Genesis chapter 12, um, verse 1 through 5. You can follow along on the screen or you can look at page 8 um, in, in your Bible. Genesis chapter 1, or Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So you see right there. I mean, from Abram now, you're the one. I'm going to call a new people through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, and Abram took his wife Sarai and his brother's son Lot and all the possessions that they had gathered and the persons whom they had acquired in Haran, and they set forth to go to the land of Canaan. All right, just... Get a, a picture of this geographically here and a bunch of names that you, maybe you don't know um, where they are. Uh, throw the, the map up um, there. And plus, that means I get to play with my toy here. You know? get to see. Uh, th- th- this is where, actually, before Genesis 12, is right here in Ur, um, that's, the, uh, that's where uh, Abram's family was, was from. So this, this area of Mesopotamia or um, uh, um, Chaldeans is this, this particular area. And then from there they move into Haran, which is where we in, encounter them in Genesis 12, where God gives Abram the call that from you now I'm going to make a new humanity again, a new people together who are going to uh, rescue uh, the, the world. And uh, then from Haran, and then from Haran is where God tells Abram, um, this is the land that you're going to settle in right here, into, into Canaan. 
And so what he ends up doing is he ends up going into Canaan then for a while. He has a little sojourn into Egypt for a little bit, then comes back, but then settles there. Um, a note in what we read, too, that when he was in Haran, he says, he's, I want you to leave. And so they did, he and Lot, and then the people they had acquired. So in some way, from, from in this um, journey here, there were folks that ju- came on board with them. There were folks that, uh, that had become maybe servants, maybe prisoners or slaves, all different kinds of folks that have already gathered with them in this part of the journey that now come into Canaan. And, and remember that because we'll speak to that a, a little bit um, later. But I want you to see already that it's already become a, a group that, that is representative of all different kinds of people along that journey, not just you know, his, uh, his family. And so then, once they then start to settle in, in Canaan, um, uh, they, they marry with the folks that are in, in Canaan. You know, it's not until they come back to the promised land much later that you, they're told, don't uh, intermarry with the folks in Canaan. Right now, they do. They start to. And we'll see. It, 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 uh, they'll, they'll continue to do that to make that uh, one new humanity um, in, in God. So um, as they settle there, um, uh, Abraham's name is Abram's name changes to Abraham. Sarai to Sarah. They have Isaac, um, and then Isaac, then uh, uh, Jacob um, is is born, um, and Jacob's uh, Abraham's grandson. So they start to settle in the land. Jacob's name gets changed to Israel. This is all in, in Genesis. As you read through Genesis, you get the whole whole story. But just want you to know, there's a, a few spoiler alerts here. If you haven't read the story, I'm going to tell you, spoil a few of the funny little surprises along the way. Um, but so Jacob's name is changed to Israel. So hence the people of Israel, the people of Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons, you know, the 12 tribes of Israel, one of whom is Joseph. And Joseph is his favorite. And, and that doesn't sit well with Joseph's brothers. So his brothers then, um, they get Joseph and they uh, sell him into slavery into Egypt. So, um, so they're, they're settling in, in Canaan right here. And then they sell Joseph and he comes and hangs out over here in, in Egypt. Um, and just so you see, you know, it's Mediterranean Sea here, Egypt. This would be what we call Saudi Arabia. This here is like Turkey. Um, uh, so that's uh, just to give you a sense of where that's happening in our, our Armenia. Um, and uh, then, um, so Joseph now sold into slavery in Egypt, the rest of them in Canaan. Um, so Joseph, Abraham's great grandson. Well, what happens is Joseph, he. Again, quite an interesting story as he makes his way um, uh, uh, he, he makes his way into being the second most powerful person in all of Egypt after Pharaoh. I mean, he's the you know vice Pharaoh, assistant Pharaoh, um, and his uh, he uh, um, and as he leads the, the people, he hears there's going to be a famine that's coming in the land. So he does a great job of maintaining their, their food stores and um, all the, the rest, but the rest of the people don't know about it. So what happens back in Canaan is the people of Israel, his brothers, uh, they're in huge famine. They hear there's food available in Egypt, so they run down to Egypt. They, they don't recognize Joseph, but he recognizes them. And uh, um, eventually uh, they do connect, and he tells them who, who he is, and they have a great reunion, and the whole family moves to Egypt. 
And everybody, they just pick it up and they, they move to Egypt to, um, where, where Joseph is and they, they stay there and as time goes by, generations pass, people don't know exactly um, how the Israelites came there and who, exactly who they are. They began to really get numerous and so they became enslaved in, that, uh, in, in Egypt. And so here was God's people now as slaves in Egypt. And we're, we're told, as we'll read in just a minute, they were there for 430 years. So in, in that time, a whole bunch of, of then interacting um, and intermarrying and bringing folks in um, from Egypt to into the people um, of, of Israel. And there, Moses is then the one that's called to lead them out of slavery. Moses, who was raised in Pharaoh's household, Moses, who was Egyptian, you know, through and through, is the one that's called to raise him out. And maybe that call is for you. And who knows what God may be calling you to do and lead someone out. Exodus twelve thirty seven through 49 is then what tells us the story of how Exodus of how Moses is going to lead God's people out of slavery into the, the journey to the to the promised land. Fifty two in your few Bible are going on the screen. Verse thirty seven. The Israelites, well, just to sort of set the scene to you, this, this is the day now they've been through all kinds of plagues and all the rest, and now, now finally um, events have occurred where the angel of death has come over um, Egypt and the firstborn of all the families and all the cattle and all the animals, they, they have died. And so now the people of Egypt are saying, okay, Israel, you can go, leave. And so it's at that time then that they, they leave. And this, is, this is commemorating, the, this is the Old Testament Easter. I mean, this is the day of salvation, the, the great day of freedom, and this is the, the Passover celebration, is, is how God freed His people from, from slavery. And so that's what's, what's occurring as we read in verse 37. The Israelites journeyed from Ramses to Sukkot, about 600,000 men on foot, besides children. So it's a huge group, that's just the men that they're counting. A mixed crowd also went up with them, and the livestock in great numbers, both flocks and herds. See, the mixed crowd is recognizing now all the people that have joined to Israel from Ur, from Haran, from Canaan, and Egypt, and parts further than that. Over the course of these last 700 years, there, there are people who are the, the ones who have the lineage to Abraham, but there are all kinds of other people. I mean, this word mixed crowd could, could be translated a mixed assortment or even one translation calls it a motley crew. It is now part of the people of God that God has been forming for those 700 years. They baked unleavened cakes of the dough that they had brought out of Egypt. It was not leavened because they were driven out of Egypt and could not wait nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. 
The time that the Israelites had lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, on that very day, all the companies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. That was for the Lord, a night of vigil to bring them out of the land of Egypt. That same night is a vigil to be kept for the Lord by all the Israelites throughout their generation. So th- this, is, this is the call. This is the, the call. Now we're going to celebrate Passover every year to remember the day that God brought us out of slavery. But because it was a mixed crowd, Because it was so diverse now that God had brought together, He now gives the directions for this Passover. And we'll see here why He's addressing, right here, the issues of the mixed crowd. And what does it mean now to be God's people? What does it mean now at this time to be God's family? What does it mean to be this new humanity that God has released from slavery and now sent out to be a blessing to the world? So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance for the Passover. No foreigner shall eat of it, but any slave who has been purchased may eat of it after he has been circumcised. No bound or hired servant may eat of it. It shall be eaten in one house. You shall not take any of the animal outside the house, and you shall not break any of its bones. The whole congregation of Israel shall celebrate it. If an alien who resides with you wants to celebrate the Passover to the Lord, all his males shall be circumcised, then he may draw near to celebrate it. He shall be regarded as a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. There shall be one law for the native and for the alien who resides among you. And all the Israelites did just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. That was the very day the Lord brought the Israelites out of the land of Egypt, company by company. So, so here, he, he now highlights this, this is what, this, this grand, diverse people, you know, the, 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 the highlighting, the, the, that mixed crowd, that motley crew saying, this is what it unites you. What unites you is God. And the circumcision is a sign that you are committed to Yahweh. And so if you are committed to Yahweh, then it doesn't matter uh, where you come from, what you like, what you don't like. It doesn't matter. You are now one and the same, and there's one law, and there's one people, and you are part of that people if you are following Yahweh, if you are given to the God of this world. You'll, and you'll see um, throughout, um, throughout actually the scriptures, there's the, the foreigner is the one who is not committed to God. The alien is the one who's not a, can't trace his lineage back to Abraham, um, but he is committed to Yahweh. The alien and the native now become one. And in God, they are both native. So we've got now this motley crew of Chaldeans from Ur, uh, Haran, Canaan, Egypt, and even beyond that are now one people, one people in God. And it's been his formation, it's been his plan you know, since, since the beginning. 
<clears throat> now, not only then is it the people, but also the leaders. And we'll see how the, um, uh, the, 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 the people of God is even broader than that. And if you turn with me to Numbers chapter 12, verse 1, page 114 in your, your pew Bible, you can um, we'll see it there. And this, this is now, we're a little bit later on, Moses and his wife, and, and some interaction with Moses um, and, and his wife. So Moses, he's the leader. He's the one that God has called. He's the one that's led them out. He's probably the, the greatest figure, um, one of the greatest figures of, of the Old Testament. And <clears throat> so uh, Numbers 12, verse 1. While they were at Hazaroth, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he'd married. For he had indeed married a Cushite woman. And they said, Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very humble, more so than anyone else on the face of the earth. Just, just want you to, this is a little bit later after this, so now you've got this conflict here. And I um, want it to be clear though that God saying that Moses is the one who is in the right. He affirms Moses. In, the, in verse 9 of that chapter 12, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, against Miriam and uh, against Aaron. And then he departed. So what's going on here? you got, you got Moses, and we're told that he's married a Cushite woman. And that Miriam and Aaron, because of that, are now questioning Moses' leadership. Well, Cushite, Cushite is the area um, that's south of Egypt. It'd be the land known. You can also translate it Ethiopian. You see that in the, the Bible. Or Nubian. You see Nubian um, also. Um, it's it's modern-day um, like Sudan and modern-day Ethiopia or Eritrea. You know, those, that's the land south of Egypt. And, and what it means with the, the Kushite or the Nubian, what that means is the dark-skinned ones. So Moses had married a woman from Africa. He had married a dark-skinned woman. Now, most likely with, with uh, um, Miriam and with uh, Aaron, um, it would, uh, uh, you would see uh, the issue was that it was from that different land. You know, it wasn't from the land that they had come from. If he'd married a woman, you, know, you can see, I mean, they, maybe Miriam and, and they, they'd expanded their horizons. Well, if you're from Ur, if you're from Haran, if you're from Canaan, if you're from Egypt, you're okay. But we've never been to Cush. So we can't marry one from them. Now, I'll talk a little bit later about the, the, the racial implications because um, that's probably more modern than it would have been then. But even then, they were limiting God's people according to ethnicity. And even in our own mind, as we you think about this, uh, uh, Dennis and I were talking about it in between. You know, it's, it's always... A, uh, we always try to talk to one another and just, hey, what'd you hear? What was going on? And he's like, you know, think about too, we probably, we're, we're, we need to realize too that Moses wasn't blonde-haired and blue-eyed. You know, he, he was Egyptian. He would have looked like Egyptians uh, looked and, and you saw the place where he was from, but now he's marrying Cushite woman to demonstrating at the top at the top of the people, huge diversity. 
The, the, the beauty of God's diversity now that is coming together at the, the leadership with the, the one who had led them out, the one who was more humble than anybody else in the land, the one who met with God face to face. God is now showing the beautiful diversity that He's bringing together and has been doing for hundreds of years. Now, uh, what... What then flows from that relationship most likely is then um, one of the great nephews of, of Moses who is Phineas. Now, Phineas is probably one of the other great heroes of the Old Testament, particularly of this section. Um, uh, he's, he's the priest of priests, as we'll, we'll find out. But if you turn the page a little bit over, November, or November, Numbers 25. Verses uh, 10 and 13. I just want to read that to help you see who, who Phineas um, is and what, uh, how he's commended. And then I'll, we'll, I'll give you the backfill it with the story and uh, a little more of the meaning here. All right, chapter 10 of Numbers 25. No, I'm, good job. I'm giving you a workout over there, aren't I? The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Phineas, son of Eleazar, Son of Aaron the priest has turned back my wrath from the Israelites by manifesting such zeal among them on my behalf that in my jealousy I did not consume the Israelites. Therefore say, I hereby grant him my covenant of peace. It shall be for him and for his descendants after him a covenant of perpetual priesthood. Because he was zealous for his God and made atonement for the Israelites. If you look ahead to Psalm 106, we won't look there, but you'll see there where Moses and Phineas are brought together because they're the two that made atonement. They're the two that led them into salvation. Um, uh, Moses and Phineas are the two, two of the heroes here. Now let's, let's just talk about this a little bit. One thing that just to, to highlight... Well, let me, let me tell you the story first. So what, what's happening? What, what has Phineas done? Well, what, what's happened is, if you read the first part of Numbers 25, you'll see it. Um, what, what, the people of Israel, they, they recognized that, that God was bringing all kinds of people together. It, it wasn't just some family genealogy. It was people, all kinds of people coming together. And so they were all about the diversity. But what happened is they forgot the notion of the unity. And so what they were getting together with Midianite men, Israelite men getting with Midianite women. But they were bringing in the practices of the Midianites. And they were Baal worshippers. And in Baal worship, there were things called fertility cults. Where you, you carried out sexual acts before God. Because that would somehow excite the gods and make the land more fertile. That, that's for many of you. Now, some of you, you're, you're nodding because you know that's... You know, you've experienced that in other, other cultures. So, some of us are like, what? Where did that? Who made up that? Um, but that was what was happening. And so what was happening is Israelite men were getting with Midianite women, and they were doing that, even in front of Moses. And so it was a grotesque, blaspheming, desecration of the, of the name of God. See, they, they were promoting an all about diversity, but they'd forgotten the unity. The unity is in following Yahweh and, and knowing Him. And so Phineas, while man and woman were carrying out these fertility cult kind of actions um, uh, before Moses, Phineas took a spear and drove it through both of them while they were in that act and killed them. And God says, you're the one that stood up 
You're the one that stood up for my name. And you have saved Israel by that, by that act. So, again, there's, there's the great diversity, but also the unity in God. And Phineas is now the hero. Now, what you need to know about Phineas, the very name, Phi, Phi is Egyptian for thee, and Aeneas is Egyptian for Nubian. He's the Nubian. He's the Cushite. He's the dark-skinned one. So you would translate his name. And, and how perfect of a, of a story, one, to highlight and to end with this, this journey through Genesis, through um, Numbers, to highlight that now the dark-skinned one is the one who is the hero who promotes the diversity and unity that God's people are to have. And how, what a great story as we consider Black History Month as well, where we highlight the, the heroes who are people of color, who for a variety of reasons, have been lost or, or silenced because of the being forgotten or even acts of, of prejudice in the past. You can find, actually, if you go back and look at sermons and even scholarly work in the 1800s, or in the last, in the 1900s, and even before, Ways that people did hermeneutical gymnastics, interpretive gymnastics, to avoid Moses, a great leader of the faith, being married to a black woman. It was all because of people who disagreed with the interracial marriage. And that's what they were opposed. They were letting their cultural, social norms interpret the Bible instead of letting the Bible interpret their, culture, their cultural and social norms. And, and you find the same thing with Phineas. And people are trying to describe and interpret that name in some other way in, in those um, days. All the more why we have African American History Month. To say, where are the other ways we've done that? Where are the ways, where are the ways that we need, to, we need to let the story be told in full color? You know, HD, high definition, 1080. Let's, let, let, let God's beautiful story be seen in that way. And we see what God is doing now. He's bringing folks together to form one new humanity in the midst of the diversity. It is a beautiful masterpiece of our Creator. So, and, and all the more reason that we, we have to highlight that it was just it was a couple years ago, and it was a, a, a child of this congregation, um, a young, young man. It was on Halloween, and he, he said, you know, um, what, what, what do you want to be? What, you want to be a superhero? And he, he said um, to those that are with him, he said, no, I can't be a superhero. And I go, why, why can't you be a superhero? Because, well, there aren't any black ones. It's a young African-American boy. Now, you... You think he was taught that? You think somebody sat down and said, you can't do that? Or, or you think um, you know, Marvel Comics was sitting around saying, we can't do that, we, we, we can't allow that to, to happen, that there's going to be a black superhero? Maybe there was at some point in time. But certainly not what we're going to say today. And actually, in the last decade or so, you've seen some changes happening. But the point of that story is to say, you see why it's so important that we need every one of us 
Whatever our hue, whatever our background, whatever our story, we need to see people and know people who are heroes for Jesus that we can follow, that we can relate to. So that's why uh, today and throughout um, uh, our, our story that we continually look for ways to, to be the church, the people that God has called us to be, a diverse new humanity committed to Him above all else. Our heritage, then, as a church, is multi-ethnic. It's multicultural. And God's been making us into one new humanity since the very beginning. And so us, we, we as a church, we as a church in our regeneration, um, not, not just regeneration of a building, but regeneration of a people, we are continually going to be regenerated as a people, adding more and more folks who are united in Jesus, but who are different in their backgrounds. And we're, we're wanting that kind of regeneration individually and corporately to be real in us. So I challenge us to continue to live into this reality of God's creation and this reality of God's consummation of how we know it will end as well. So I encourage you, you know, multi-ethnic conversations are going on Sunday morning and, and, and um, uh, Monday night. You, you can join in or you can just grab one of the books. We've got some more books. You can read through, through that and engage with others. It needs to be in, in relationships with others. You can form your own. You know, just take some folks that are different than you to lunch. Share your stories with one another. A great question to, to ask somebody when you're in a, a, a group, a motley crew group. <laughs> is to say, what was your first memory of race? What was your first? That, that brings up a whole lot of great and interesting stories and a great way of, of learning from one another. We, so we make connections with folks, and particularly even this month, folks that are black, you know, engaging around, since it's Black History Month, you know, a great movie out called Hidden Figures. You know, go see that together and talk about it. Or a couple years ago, a group of us went to see Selma together, that movie, and, and talked about that. The other great thing about both of those movies is they have positive messages about the church as well as... Our, our history and help us to understand. And if nothing more, then you just come together and the simple question is, how would you feel as you were watching that? How would you feel as you were doing it? Or, or go to the, you know, the um, Underground Railroad Museum uh, go, and then ask that, that question. There's just all kinds of ways to take steps to continue to move into being united in God. And then, you know, as you engage with your story together, then engage around the Bible together. Do Bible study. Together and, and you again, you might hear and see different perspectives of what God's teaching us from one another. So throughout our history, the world divides, the devil comes to destroy, and, and we, in our humanity and selfishness, we can discount even the divisions. But no longer, because that's not what God has been doing. God has been drawing us together, breaking down the divisions, um, defeating the devil, and leading us to be that one new humanity that God has created, that He has formed, and that He has completed on the cross in Jesus and one day will bring to total reality when He returns. Amen.